All right, well, let's try that once again. Good morning to everyone and welcome to The Well here at STSA. Happy first week after Memorial Day weekend. And that means that summer's officially here. And I just learned this, okay, it's something I knew I learned this year, is that now that it's Memorial Day, I'm allowed to wear white. Did you know that? That I'm not allowed to wear white except until, right, ladies? Like, you know, so now I know I can wear white. So hopefully we'll see if, you know, that changes the wardrobe. We'll, we'll talk to His Holiness the Pope about that and see if we can address that in any way. But summer is here, and that means what? That means fun, that means travel, that means vacation. And that means that we're starting a series called Summer Packing List, Three Must-Have Spiritual Disciplines. And right off the bat, you're thinking to yourself, summer and disciplines aren't usually words that we connect together with each other, right? Like summer is the opposite of discipline. Summer is the time where we sleep in. Summer is the time that we relax. Summer is the time that we travel and we kind of stop doing those day-to-day things until we get back from, from our vacation. So why is it that we here talking about disciplines during the time of summer? Well, I'll tell you exactly why. The reason we're talking about discipline during this time is because I know something about you. I know something about you. I know something about every single one of you. And that is that you, unlike many people out there in this world, you want more. You want more out of your summer. You don't want to just eat, drink, and be merry and, and kick back for a few months and then kind of pick up the pieces after. You want to grow as a person. You want to be better. You would love to be able, when the summer is over in September, to look back on the last three months and say, I have grown as a person. Maybe that was grown um, spiritually, or maybe that's grown emotionally, or grown relationally, or could be in some aspect of my career. You want to be better, nod your heads if you agree with me, you want to be better three months from now than you are today, correct? Well, if that is the case, then there's only one way to do it. Whether you want to be better spiritually, whether you want to be better relationally, whether you want to be better physically, whether you want to be better intellectually or any aspect of your life, there's only one way to improve in any area of life. And that's kind of our key thought for this series. Whoops. That's our key thought for this series. And that is this, is that in any area of life, growth requires consistency. And consistency requires discipline. Would you agree with that statement? In any area of life, growth or success or improvement requires consistency, and consistency requires discipline. You want to grow as a student. You want to be better academically. You want to succeed, whether it's undergraduate or medical school or law school or preschool, whatever school it is that you attend. You want to grow and be better. Is there a way to be more successful as a student other than to be consistent in your studying And the only way to be consistent is to be disciplined, is to have certain disciplines. You want to improve as an athlete, then you must be consistent in your training. You want to improve as a musician, you must be consistent in your practice. There's no way, find me anyone who is successful in any aspect of life, and I will show you behind that, regardless of what you see on the screen or what you see on the stage, any aspect of life, anyone who's successful You pull back the curtain and you will find a life of consistency and a life of discipline. Think about it in the opposite way. You think back to when you were in school, those who are in school. What would your academic life look like if you only studied when you felt like studying? Finals coming. Nah, not feeling it. Sorry, professor, I'm not feeling it this year. I'll let you know when I feel it. How great would you have done in school if you only studied when you felt it? 
How good would you be in your practice of whatever that is that you, that you do in life, okay, your career, if you only practiced when you wanted to? Even think about just certain things in life. How about if you only brushed your teeth when you wanted to? Nah, I'm not going to brush. I don't feel like it. Like, who feels like brushing their teeth? Like, when we were kids. How about forget about brushing your teeth? How about eating vegetables? If you only ate vegetables when you felt like eating vegetables, we would all... Yeah, some of you, yeah, you know, okay? Some of us are living proof of that, okay? Of what happens when we only do it when we want to do it. The bottom line is in any area of life. In any area of life, success is never random. Success is never luck. Success is never just, it happened upon me. Success is built upon consistency. And consistency requires discipline. That's why I'm going to show you this verse upon which this series is based. And this is a passage, four verses actually, it's from Ephesians chapter 6. And it's a passage that I have begun reading every single morning before I begin my day. The first thing I do, well, the first thing I do is I, I go to the bathroom. Okay, then after I go to the bathroom, okay, and I have drank my, I've emptied the tank and then filled the tank again, okay, then the first thing I do is I read this passage from Ephesians chapter 6. It sets the tone for my day, and it says this. It says, finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. I love that expression. Be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God. Why? That you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand. You know what this passage tells me? It says, if we want to be mature spiritually, if we want to grow, if we want all those nice promises that the Bible says that we're like, where are these things? Where is where it says that you can have peace that surpasses all understanding? Like, how can I have peace in the middle of all the storms of this world? How can I have joy in the middle of my trials? How can I love when it's so difficult to love that person? How can I trust and have faith when it, everything seems like there's no hope? Like, how can I get to that point? The answer is... It takes discipline. It takes consistency. There's a war out there, and the war of this world is working against us doing all those things that I just said. The one who's going to make it is the one who has the muscle, is the one who has put in the time to be spiritually strong. Again, it doesn't just happen. You don't see a bodybuilder who's just born that way. Like Nobody's born like bodybuilder style. Like with the People get that way because they put in the time and the effort. And the same is true spiritually. And my fear, my fear is that today we like shortcuts. We like shortcuts. We want to be spiritual giants without putting in any spiritual work. We want to be spiritually mature. We want to be, like we read those verses, like I said, about joy in the trial, about trust, and we want the faith, and where is that? We want that without putting in the muscle. So when I read this passage, you know what exactly what it puts in my mind? It puts in my mind that every time I do certain spiritual disciplines, I think of it like a rep, a spiritual rep. You know what the word rep means? Okay, those who, who exercise in the world of exercising. I say, I want to build my biceps. So I'm going to do this exercise right here, and I'm going to do three sets of 10. Every, every time I do this, that's a rep, a repetition. I'm going to repeat it 10 times, take a break, and then do it again 10 times, and take a break, and then do it again 10 times. And then I want to build this muscle, so I'm going to do this, and I'm going to do three sets of 10. And there's nobody who's built muscle and there's nobody who's become stronger in any area of their physical body unless they've done the physical reps for that particular muscle. Well, I'm saying the same is true spiritually. 
And we need to start to stop looking at it as like, why do I pray? Well, because the priest told me to pray, so I'm supposed to pray so that hopefully I don't get hit by lightning. That's not why you pray. Why do I go to church? Why do I read my Bible? Why do I repent? Why do I do these things? The reason that we do these things is to build our spiritual muscle. And when we stand up to pray, when we don't want to pray especially, when we stand up to pray, we're building muscle. And when we open up our Bible, we're building spiritual muscle. And when we, when we forgive one another, we're building our spiritual muscle. But we have to have it something programmed into our lives and not rely on good intentions. Nobody graduated medical school top of their class because they had good intentions. Nobody became a world-class athlete because they had good intentions. Nobody became a neurosurgeon guy who, or a guy who splits the ad or anything because they had good intentions. The people who have success in any area of life are people who have a plan to get there and are willing to put in the reps. And that takes the consistency and that takes discipline. So here's what we're going to do in this series. This series is a three-week series. Each week, we're going to look at a different spiritual discipline. And this is what I'm calling your summer packing list. This is what I'm saying is you're getting ready to hit the beach. No problem. Have a great time. You're traveling to Europe. Fantastic. More power to you. You can take some time in the mountains. Oh, that's great. Fantastic. But take these disciplines with you. Make sure you pack them in your bag. You pack your bathing suit. You pack your sunscreen. You pack your flip-flops. You pack your hat. You pack whatever. Pack these three spiritual disciplines. And you're going to take them with you in the summer because when you do, you'll look back at the end of the summer and say, I'm stronger because of it. And if you don't, you'll look back and you'll say, I don't know why. I don't know why I'm always up and down. I don't know why. I don't know why sometimes I'm here and sometimes I'm here. Well, the answer is because you have no spiritual muscle. You have no spiritual discipline. And that's what we're going to try to fix in this series. And our first spiritual discipline, first thing in our summer packing list is going to be found in a very small, tiny little book. And it's a book that hopefully you have with you by your nightstand, hopefully travels with you everywhere. We're going to talk about the discipline of daily structured prayer. And the definition of daily structured prayer is this. is set times to pray and set words to pray. In other words, set when and set what. When to pray and what to pray. And specifically, what I'm talking about is this little book right here. You guys have seen this book before. You may have seen it in different covers. You may be one of the people that uses it on your phone, which I'm against using it on your phone, but hey, whatever, whatever works. This book is called the Book of Prayer Book of Hours. It's our Coptic Orthodox prayer book. The Coptic word for it is egbeya. That's a fun word to say. Say egbeya. Egbeya is fun because you very rarely get a G and a P right next to each other, but here you get it back to back, okay? To me, it's a fun word to say. Egbeya is simply a Coptic word, which means book of the hours. So we can call it our prayer book, call it our book of hours, whatever it is that you want to call it. Many traditions, Christian traditions, I should say all Christian traditions, have such a prayer book. This is our one that was given to us in our tradition. And what's in it, what you'll find, is it contains seven hours, hours in quotes, doesn't take a whole hour, but an hour of prayer or a time of prayer. And during that hour of prayer, which doesn't, again, not 60 minutes, an hour of prayer, it gives you set prayers to do during that time. And we'll talk about what some of those are. But before I talk about kind of what is inside this book and why it's so important, if you grew up in the church, okay, if you, grew up, if you didn't grow up in the church, my, this is what I've seen in my experience, people who did not grow up in the church once I show them this book, and this has happened on many times, especially on airplanes, 
Okay, when I pull this thing out or at airports, people look at this and they're like, that's incredible. And people see this as one of the greatest benefits to being inside the church. They're like, you have something that tells you what to pray and when to pray, how great that is. If you grew up in the church, you have the opposite reaction. I discovered that inside the church, I say egbeya, I say structured prayer, I say set time, set hours of prayer. I say anything under the category, like we'll kind of broaden it and say ritual. Anything under that category of ritual, we have like a nervous reaction to it. We have like an allergic reaction, like get it away, anything ritual. We react to the word ritual, sorry to say this is the best way I could liken it, the same way children react to bedtime. We're like, no, 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 take it away, get it away. We don't want that. And I don't know why that is. I don't know why ritual has a bad reputation. I promise you, in many areas of life, you have rituals. You have structured, set things that tell you what to do, when to do it. Like, for example, you have a ritual for your little morning cup of coffee, don't you? And you know that if it, how many times I get on a Zoom meeting, people are like, forgive me, I haven't had the morning cup of coffee yet. Okay, which I don't know what that means. It's like 8.15, 8.30, I haven't had it. So you have a ritual, and at 7 o'clock, you have your cup of coffee, and it's the same every single day, and someone tells you, or you tell yourself, every day, 7 o'clock, I'm going to do this, but somehow that's not a bad ritual, that's a good ritual. You have your ritual of what you eat when you come home from work. You have your ritual of when you brush your teeth. You have ritual of how you make your bed. You have ritual where you put your shoes when you come in the house, especially you neurotic people, okay? And if somebody doesn't put the shoes in the right place and puts the shoes this way, or I don't know if this is you, when someone puts the shoes and doesn't put them, like they should go this way, right? When someone puts the left on the right, it, it drives me crazy. But we have all these rituals, and for some reason, none of those are bad. We like those. But then somehow, when it comes to the idea of spiritual rituals, we're like, that's legalistic, that's Old Testament, that's bad. And I'm telling you, who said that's bad? Who told you? Jesus spoke about the, that it's bad to have vain repetition. But the key word there is vain. Repetition is not bad. Jesus, in fact, when he taught his disciples to teach us to pray, he said, pray this way. And he gave them a prayer to say, repetition is not bad. Vain repetition is bad. And I will prove it to you. I have my lovely wife, Marianne, sitting right there. And Marianne can answer. You can all answer on behalf of Marianne. You can all answer on behalf. When I got married, I discovered that you know you say, I love you to your wife, okay? This is not, like, in my house, like, we grew up, we didn't, yeah, we, we're three boys, okay? Like, we were, we didn't do that stuff. It was just understood, okay? We understood. <laughs> but I discovered in marriage, it's not understood. <laughs> marriage, it needs to be said. So I would tell my wife, I love you. She'd say, I love you. And the next day, I'd say, I love you, like, every night before we go to bed. And then I thought to myself, husbands, I'm sure you've had this thought is that wouldn't it be more meaningful if I didn't say it every day and saved it for when I really wanted to like emphasize the love you part, okay? Because then if not, it's just like, love you, love you. Like it's not even I love you, it's just love you, okay? So I said, let me save it. And I didn't say it one night. And then next night, I didn't say it again. Third night, bring in the heat. I love you. <laughs> and then she said, I love you too, but I could tell there was a little bit in her too. Okay, that was a little bit off. <laughs> and I said, hey, just as a heads up, maybe you noticed I stopped saying it like every day to make it really, let's just say she wasn't a fan of my little experiment. <laughs> and I learned since then that every day I say I love you. Well, let me ask you a question. Is that meaningless? If I repeat the same thing every day, I love you, is that meaningless? Is that ritualistic? 
Is that something? Like, who would advise me to stop doing it? And only, only, like, yeah, exactly. All the married men are like. <laughs> no. The meaninglessness, like the ritual provides the structure, but the meaningfulness, that comes from my heart. Just because something is the same every day doesn't mean it's meaningless. Like, that's up to you. That's up to me to make it meaningful every day, but don't throw out the structure just because at times that it can be meaningless. The structure doesn't make it meaningless. The structure just provides the context. And it's the same when it comes to our prayer. Who said saying the same thing to God every day is bad? Who said that's bad? Who said praying at the same time every day is bad? Who said that? In fact, I'll be honest with you. If you're a critic of ritualistic prayer, who actually said ritual prayer is good? Who started the whole ritual prayer from the very beginning? God himself. Passage from Exodus chapter 29. God says to Moses, now this is what you shall offer on the altar. This is what you shall, I'm going to tell you exactly what you should also offer and where. Two lambs of the first year, day by day continually. One lamb you shall offer in the morning, the other lamb you shall offer at twilight. He tells him exactly what to offer, when to offer it. With one lamb you shall be, shall be one-tenth of an ephah of flour mixed with one-fourth of a hin of pressed oil, and one-fourth of a hin of wine as a drink offering. The other lamb you shall offer at twilight. You shall offer it with the grain offering and the drink offering as in the morning for a sweet aroma, an, aroma, an offering made by fire to the Lord. This shall be a continual burnt offering throughout your generations at the door of the tabernacle of meeting before the Lord. Here's the key part. Where I will meet you to speak with you. Where I will meet you to speak with you. God says, I'm going to meet you every single day. Exactly at this time. Exactly in this place. Exactly with this criteria in mind. This is what you should have with you. God is the one who set the prescription. And this was, by the way, just a small passage in the midst of a much larger passage. This is when Moses is at the top of the mountain. He's receiving the Ten Commandments. But in addition to receiving the Ten Commandments, God told him to build the tabernacle. And he told him, this is how the tabernacle is going to go. And this is how it should be built. And this is how you should offer sacrifices. And this is when. And he prescribed every morning you do A, every evening you do B. Now, our understanding of the sacrifices has changed, obviously. Like we don't offer oil and the birds and the doves and things like that. But the principle behind it is the same. God is the same. And the principle is when you worship me, you worship me in a certain way. He prescribes. That's not saying you can't pray outside of that. Okay, that's kind of our New Testament understanding. It's not that in the Old Testament, this was the only way anything outside of this was bad. In the New Testament, we learn that, you know what, we can worship God in many, many ways. But that doesn't negate the need for the original Okay, the prescri prescribed way. And I'll tell you why. A prescribed way, structured prayer, egbeya prayer, set time, set words. I'll tell you why it is the best thing that you need in your spiritual life. Because if you were to be honest with yourself, where are the two, the two areas that you struggle with the most in prayer? What is the two areas that you struggle most with in prayer? The two things that the problem with most of us in prayer, that egbeya solves it. And I would say those two things are this. Structured prayer provides consistency and balance. And if you're honest, this is where you, like me, this is where we're weakest. Consistency and balance. Let's start with consistency. As a parent with children, God didn't tell us, I want you to pray, figure it out on your own. 
That's not what parents do with their children. That's not what God does with us. As parents with our children, we don't tell them, brushing your teeth is important. Give it a shot whenever you get a chance. We tell them exactly when to do it. In the morning and in the evening. And we tell them exactly how to do it. The two minutes thing, right? Okay, you're supposed to do two minutes and you go upstairs, okay, across the hallway, downstairs into the basement and over the other side. We tell them exactly when to do it. We tell them exactly what to do when they're doing it. Why? Because we know that they're not capable of figuring it out on their own. God did the same thing with us. And God says, there are set times that this is when you should pray. And there are set words that you should say when you pray them. Sometimes you'll feel like it. Great. Sometimes you won't. That's exactly the whole point. Actually, when the egbeya is most needed, when the structured prayer is needed the most, is actually those times when we don't know how to pray and we don't know what to say. I'm going to give you a nice quote here from Metropolitan Anthony Bloom, who wrote a great book called Beginning to Pray, one of my favorite books. It's very short, it's very simple, but man, it is very powerful. And in it, he talks about why structured prayer is so necessary for the Christian life. He says this. He compares structured prayer to spontaneous, meaning just pray whatever's on your mind. He says spontaneous prayer is possible in two situations, either at moments when we have become vividly aware of God or when we have become suddenly aware of the deathly danger in which we are in when we come to God. Now, if we imagine that we can sustain spontaneous prayer throughout our life, we're in childish delusion. Spontaneous prayer must must gush out of our souls. We cannot simply turn on a tap and get it out. Do you understand what he's saying? Okay, what he's saying in in the first slide, he said, there's only two real times that we can truly pray spontaneous prayer from our heart. One, when we're so in his presence and aware of his presence around us, and there's times that we're there, and that's great. Then he's saying that others, the other time is the opposite extreme where we're like really afraid and like, you know, a near-death experience, so to speak. And those two times, you can pray, and that's fantastic. And you know what? If that's the time that you're in, fantastic. But the rest of life has lived somewhere in between there. Where, you know what? Like, I want to pray. Like, come on, let's be honest. We wake up in the morning, and we're not just dying, okay, to spend time with God. And we're not just eager to be like, finally, the sleep is over so I can spend with you. Like, if that's you, more power to you. But I'll tell you how I wake up. I wake up tired. I wake up distracted, I wake up, my back hurts, my neck hurts, my knees hurt. I wake up, stuff is all in my mind, racing through my mind, and there's a million things in there other than prayer. So in that situation, what he's saying is to stand up and to think that I can just close my eyes and spend a long time with God, we're probably fooling ourselves. He goes on. He's saying, true prayer comes from the depth of our soul, either from wonder or distress, but it does not come from the middle situation in which we are neither overwhelmed by the divine presence nor overwhelmed with a sense of who we are and the position in which we are. So at those moments, to try to use a spontaneous prayer is a completely illusory exercise. Listen carefully. I'm not saying that you can't pray unless you have a prayer book. You can pray anywhere, anytime, in the car, in the shower, wherever it may be, you can pray, and you should, absolutely. But the idea that we can pray at all times, and we always have that feeling, most of us would say truthfully, we're not there. And that's where the egbeya comes into play. The reason why many of us have an allergic reaction to it is because it was taught to us as something that is like sits on top of our head, like you have to do this, and you have to do it this time, you have to. The egbeya is not a handcuffs. 
It's not a cage where you can't go outside of it. What it is is a tool. A tool that says, you want to spend time with God? Go for it. But then when you run out of steam, open this up, and this will help you keep on going. And then you keep on going, and then you're there, put it down and keep on going. But then the next day, you got nothing, and you're like, I wish I can, I wish I can, I wish I can, but you can't get off the ground. Open the prayer book up, and it teaches us how to pray. It's a, set, it's a toolkit more than it is a cage or handcuffs that requires you to do it in an exact certain way. So, <clears throat> that is with the consistency piece. Now, the response to that, some people would say, okay, I get it. The Egbe is good. It's nice to have this help. But it's not sincere because it's not my words. Like, it's not sincere because it's not my words. This, this idea that unless I made up the words, it's not sincere. First of all, that's incorrect on many fronts. First of all, when you, if you pray without using, these pra without using these prayers, you're using someone else's words. You heard other people pray. Like you didn't just land on earth, never heard anyone pray, and then just say, I love God, and start making up words. You heard me pray. You heard your parents pray. You're taking somebody else's words. Like you're not making up the words. <clears throat> In the same way, again, back to the wife situation, if I say, um, you know, hey, sweetheart, Okay, or, you know, honey or whatever it may be, or, or she would say to me, like, you know, stud muffin. Okay, that's kind of her word for me. Stud muffin, okay? <laughs> Just joking, okay. Um, you shouldn't say sweetheart to your wife because, did you, wait, did you make up that word? No, then you shouldn't use it. You shouldn't say honey to your wife because, again, you didn't make it up. So please, be sincere with your wife and make up a word. That we, we, like, all the words are, were taught to us by somebody else. The difference is when I take these words, I'm taking the words of somebody... Most of them are based on the Psalms, okay? So I'm taking the words of somebody, for lack of a better expression, who graduated and I know where he ended up at the head of the class, okay? So you can listen to me pray, but why would you model after my prayers? Why would you model after your parents' prayers? Like, we're going to model after someone who, like I said, we know the end of his life story, and we know he makes it to the front of the, the class, and we know where he is. And same thing when we read the words of Christ in the gospel, like, we're taking words that are tried and true, and we're using those words. <clears throat> so again, there's no correlation between structured and insincere. The structure just gives us the vehicle, the sincerity, that's up to you. So the first thing is that, is that structured prayer gives us the consistency. Now how about the balance? What do I mean when I say the Egbeya gives us balance in our prayer? Well, think of it this way, back to the working out example. Let's say you never worked out before and you decide you need to get in shape. So you go to the gym, but you don't know what you're doing. You never worked out before. So you go to the gym and you like, you know, and sometimes you see, I used to see people like this in the gym when I used to go, with no plan. Okay. And they just kind of look over and they look, oh, that, that, like, that looks fun. So let's, let's do this. Okay. You know what I mean? And then, you know, I'm feeling kind of flabby in this area. So then I find the machine that does like this. Okay. So that, that, that felt good. And then that person's doing the, this, and that one kind of hurts. We'll kind of avoid that one. What do you expect of a person who this is their approach to working out? What do you think they're going to look like five years down the road, 10 years down the road? Exactly as they look right now, right? They're going to look exactly as they look right now. Because if you only worked out the parts that were fun, or you only worked out the parts that felt good, or you only worked out the parts that you wanted to, like that's when you see like sometimes maybe you see like the, the guy with the big and then the skinny little bird legs, okay? Because he's, because everyone skips leg day, right? Because he's big, but it, that, I don't want that to be a spiritual. I don't want us to be unbalanced. So spiritually, just like physically, we need a plan. The person who's going to the gym, he needs a plan. He needs a trainer 
to say, you need to do some of this, you need to do some of this, some of this, some of this, some of this, some of this. It's got to be balanced. And the same thing is true when it comes spiritually, when it comes to prayer. The Egbeya, the structured prayer, gives us balance. Because it gives us a time for thanking God, and it gives us a section for asking from God. Balanced. It gives us a time where to rejoice and praise. also gives us a time to repent and ask for mercy. It gives us a section where we pray for ourselves. It gives us a section where we pray for others. Balanced. See, some of us, like I'll tell you me personally, I'm very good if you know me. I'm good at the rejoicing. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. This is me. If it was just up to me, every day would be a feast. There would never be any fastings in the church. It would just always be party. It would always be praise God and rejoice in God. But that's not balanced. I need the church and the prayer book to balance me. Say, stick a little bit with the repentance. Some of you are the opposite. Some of you can repent even when you got nothing to repent for. You repent for other people's sins. You repent for, like, you're very professional repenters. And sometimes we got to tell you, is that enough with the repentance? But you know what I mean? Like, that's good for you. But you need balance. Some of you are very good for praying for yourself. Maybe not so much praying for others. Some of you are very good to remember others, but you never ask God for yourself. Balance. We need balance. We don't need to be very good in one area. Some areas are natural for us. But we need to be balanced spiritually, and that's where structured prayer gets us to. I want to show you some excerpts from some of the prayers. Like I said, the majority of the prayers that are in here are from the Bible, but I wanted to get some of the non-Bible ones, some of the ones that were written by the fathers of the church. Because I want you to see how even the, 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 the prayers that were not directly from the Scripture, they're all based on Scripture. I want to show you the beauty of some of these words that are inside, and you compare these to your normal prayers if you didn't have a prayer book. Okay, you compare them. So for example, the first prayer is going to be from the, the, the litany of the first hour, the morning hour, something you wake up in the morning and you pray. I may wake up in the morning and I may say something like, uh, please God, bless my day and bless my kid's day and bless everybody's day. <laughs> and that's very eloquent and that kind of summarizes the most of the prayer. Verses, let me show you this right here. It says, when the morning hour comes upon us, O Christ our God, the true light, let the enlightened senses and thoughts shine within us and let not the darkness of pains overcome us that we may praise you mentally with David saying, my eyes stay open through the watches of the night that I may meditate on your promises. Who thinks that my bless me, bless my kids, bless everyone's day? Like, come on, you can't compare the two. I'll give you another excerpt. This is from the absolution of the ninth hour. Look what it says. Abolish for us the power of the adversary and all his evil armies as your only begotten son has trampled on them by the power of his life-giving cross. Accept us unto you, O our Lord Jesus Christ, as you accepted the thief at your right while you were hung on the wood of the cross. How beautiful are those words. Abolish his power. Isn't that better than, please, 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 God, help me to be good today. Please, 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 God, don't let anything bad happen. Please, please, please. Like, come on. Again, the words are not insincere in and of themselves. You make them insincere when you say them without thinking. But if you can put your heart into these words, like, come on. I'll give you another example. Next example is from the conclusion of all the, of every hour. And it tells us, it reminds us to pray for things that I guarantee you that if you didn't have structured prayer, you'd never remember to pray for some of these things. Look what it says. It says, purify our souls, cleanse our bodies, straighten our thoughts, heal our sicknesses, forgive our sins, and look at this one, deliver us from every sadness and heartache. Like, I don't remember these things. I'm just like, take all the bad away from me. Anything bad from anyone in the world, just take it away. But see how the beautiful words, and I'll tell you what's nice about that. What may be different than your prayers. Like you say, no, I pray heal my sickness. But this is not heal my sickness. What does this say? He 
heal our sicknesses. Because it's not just about you. That's just about me. Why should I pray this? I'm healthy. Because you ain't the only one on the world, in the world. You got things called brothers and sisters. So we're praying for healing for all of us. We're praying for purity for all of us. You see how the, the, the structured prayer lifts us to a higher level of prayer? <clears throat> Next passage is also from this same prayer. And I want to show you in this particular passage, this is, again, not taken directly from the scripture, but I want to show you how everything in this passage is based on words from the scripture. And I want to show you that one of the keys, one of the keys to getting prayer answered, I've always believed this. You may have heard me tell you this in confession. One of the keys is learning to pray God's words back to him. Meaning the space between the Bible and my prayers, the space between the scripture and my prayers. I want to minimize that space, that the words of scripture and the words of my prayer are as close as possible. Look at this prayer right here, all based on scripture. Oh, Christ, our good Lord, who is long suffering, plenteous in mercy and most compassionate, who loves the righteous and has mercy on sinners of whom I am the first, who does not wish the death of a sinner, but rather to return and live. This is the beginning of a prayer where we're going to be asking for stuff from God. But look how it starts off with these nice words. It's going to God and saying, God, have mercy. Wait, before I say have mercy, God, remember when you said that you're the merciful, right? You said you're the good God. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but remember when you said you're long-suffering. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Remember when you said you're plenteous of mercy and most compassionate. Remember when you said you have mercy on sinners. Remember when you said you don't wish the death of a sinner. Remember all that, God? God's like, yeah. Okay, have mercy on me because I'm a sinner. But you see the difference? This is like going to the judge. What's the best way to go to any judge is to go and say, in the law, you know, section four dash, whatever, whatever, it says one, two, three, four, five. Uh, that, that's me right there. Versus just coming in and just saying, no, pre, please, please have mercy, please have mercy. You see the difference? When we use God's own words and say, God, you said you're merciful to sinners. You said you are compassionate. You said you're long suffering. So please, God, have mercy on me. It's much more powerful. <clears throat> I promise you, praying the words of the scripture is the key to getting answered prayers. And also it's the inverse. It's the key to having the scriptures come alive to you when you read the scriptures, hopefully, after that. Now again, some of you might respond and say, but this means, Father Anthony, you're saying we should pray without thinking. This means we should pray without thinking, right? Does the Egbeah teach us to pray without thinking, yes or no? The answer is actually yes in some ways, but not in the way you think. I would say the goal of structured prayer is to allow you to focus or think about the meaning, not the words. They'll explain what that means. The goal of structured prayer is not that you wouldn't think, but that you think about the right thing. It would teach us to think about the meaning, not the words. Let me give you an example. Let's say you hear a new song. Okay, this actually is the way it is with me. Like whenever we stand up here and we sing songs before the well, anytime it's like a new song that I'm hearing for the first time, it's hard for me to engage with it until I learn the words. Okay, because in the beginning, I'm just focusing on the words and focusing on the melody and trying to like piece it all together. And then once you've reached the point that you know the words and you've memorized the words and you can close your eyes and sing the words without having to think, now you're free to focus on the meaning. The goal is to teach us the words and give us the words so we don't waste our time thinking about the words so we can think about the meaning. What does that look like? Let me give you another example. Psalm 62 comes from the first hour. The words are, O God, you are my God. Earnestly I seek you. My soul thirsts for you. My body longs for you in a dry and weary land where there is no water. Now, these words are not mine. I didn't write these words. 
But I think you would agree with me that these words perfectly capture something that's inside every one of our hearts. And that's why you're here in church today, not out somewhere else. These words capture something that's ingrained inside all of us, which is that God, my soul thirsts for you. So when I have the words in front of me, and I have it inside right here, and I can take, and I'm not thinking about what's the right words to say, then I can focus on the meaning of the words. Because every prayer always has two components. It has what and it has how. It has spirit and it has form. The form is what I'm saying. The spirit is how I am saying it. So when, when, when the, the structured prayer gives us the what, it frees us to focus on the how. I'll give you another one. Okay, Psalm 69. It says, Haste, no God, to save me. O Lord, come quickly to help me. I am poor and needy. Come quickly to me, O God. Again, this psalm, which you may not have ever said these words on your own, this perfectly captures a common human emotion inside all of us, which is, God, we need you. And this captures it, and we can all relate to it when we can't find the words. <clears throat> so that's my case for why you need to use some daily structured prayer. That's my case for why when you start packing for the summer, first thing that goes in your suitcase is one of these. And in case you say, I don't have one of those, good news for you. Back at the connection table here, okay, also in Arlington, back at the connection table, there's a whole stack of these, and these are free of charge. You grab one, there's only one thing that you have to do is you have to use it, okay? And if you say, I don't know how to use it, where do I begin? Relax, I got good news for you. I'm gonna give you specifically, okay, the challenge for what to do with this Egbeya, and I'm gonna tell you this challenge before I say it. This applies to the person who's saying, I don't know where to begin. The person who's already humming, okay, and he's rolling, and he's, okay, you're good, like, that, more power to you. Like, the person who's in the gym, and he's rolling, he, that's fine. But I'm talking about the person who doesn't know where to start, I'll give you the challenge. It's a five-by-five five challenge, and it's this. It's five minutes a day, five days a week. Five minutes a day, five days a week. So what I'm asking you over the course between now and the next time we show up here on Sunday is 25 minutes. It's not even a sitcom. Not even an episode of your favorite whatever on the, on the Netflix. Okay, um, over the next seven days, five minutes a day, five days a week. If you can do more, great. But if not, I'm telling you to open it up, start praying, and set an alarm. I'll even tell you, set an alarm on your phone. Once it hits five minutes, go ahead and stop. You don't have to finish. Like if you want to, more power to you, because that's often what I do. Say, I only got five minutes. I'm going to start. Then you know what? Six minutes, seven minutes, it's okay. Because this encourages you to stay a little bit longer because it gives you the structure. But I'm telling you, five minutes, let's start with something. Because something is better than nothing. Again, back to working out. Something that has actually transformed my working out life recently Okay, is when I, I don't know where I read it or I heard it somewhere, it said, a bad workout is better than no workout. Because I used to think I'm kind of a perfectionist. So if you're a perfectionist, it's like, I don't have an hour to work out, so I'm not going to do anything today. I don't have the, the energy, so I'm not going to do anything. And then someone said, no, why? A bad workout's better than no workout. So if I get down there for 10 minutes, okay, knock out a few push-ups, whatever, maybe that's better than nothing. Of course, a good workout is better, but a bad workout is better than no workout. Same with prayer. Five minutes of prayer is better than zero minutes of prayer. And then, you know, but I'm not feeling, okay, that... That's exactly what this is for, when you're not feeling it, and you don't know what to say, and you're distracted, and you only got two minutes, you only got, pull this thing out. Everyone should set five minutes, five days a week. In my opinion, just like working out, you should set it in advance. It shouldn't be like, oh, when do I want to pray today? No, you should set it. I'm a morning guy. For me, that's my time, is in the morning, but you're not a morning guy. It could be in the evening. Could be both. Could be lunchtime. 
Could be after work. Like, it could be whatever. Like, if you've got a slacking job where you can kind of kick back a little bit, do it at lunchtime. Do it whatever it may be. But set it and be consistent because what we need is consistency and discipline. And for those who say, I don't know what, what's inside, well, the good news is on your handout, at the bottom of your handout, you will find a little QR code. And if you scan that little QR code, it'll take you to a link of a guide of how to begin the Igbeya prayer, something we put together ourselves, okay, of how to get started in the Igbeya prayer. So that's something that you can take with you, and it'll just give you a few tips, a few here and there. But the bottom line is, this thing isn't rocket science. Because sometimes we get, we get caught up with like, but how do I know exactly? Don't worry about it. Just open it up and start going. And you will see that what this gives us, okay, what the structured prayer gives us, gives us, okay, back to what I said in the beginning. That's our spiritual reps. Every time I open my Igbe, that's why I read that passage from Ephesians 6. I'm thinking to myself, I got a lot on my plate today. I got a lot that I need prayer for, like in my family or with my church or with myself. Like there's a lot. So you know what? Before I head out in the day, I got to get a few reps in. Got to get a few reps in. And I know that if I continue building the, the spiritual muscle, then when I get out there, I'm spiritually stronger. And I think we all need the same thing. Last verse, 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 18. says, But we all, with unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror, the glory of the Lord are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory, just as by the Spirit of the Lord. You know what this verse is saying? This, in this passage right here, St. Paul is talking about Moses. When Moses, back in the Old Testament, was up on top of that mountain. And Moses was in the presence of God for 40 days and 40 nights. And when Moses came down from that mountain, he didn't look the same as when he went up there. He went up a certain way, he came down shining. So much shining that they had to put a veil in his face because he was like shining so bright people couldn't look at him. Moses was transformed by his time in God's presence during those 40 days and those 40 nights. You know what transforms us? You know what makes us better? I said in the beginning, you want to be better. You know what will make you a better person? You know what will make you more mature spiritually? You know what will strengthen your faith? You know what will give you joy? You know what will give you love? You know what will give you peace? You know what the answer is? It's time in God's presence. Time in God's presence, just like Moses, is like a tanning booth, like those little tanning things, okay? The more time in, the more we're transformed. How does it work? I don't know how it works. What's the science? Don't ask me. All I know is the more time I'm in the tanning booth, the more I look different when I come out. Prayer is the same way. Prayer is the spiritual tanning booth. And my question to you is how much time do you spend in that tanning booth? Spiritual. Okay. How much time are you with God on top of that mountain? This is not about have to. Structured prayer is not about have to. Structured prayer is about get to. Structured prayer is about an opportunity to spend more time in God's presence. Because me by myself, like if I were saying I'm going to pray as long as I can, I got about two minutes in me, maybe a third minute before I, I, that's it, I'm done. But what this gives me, the opportunity to pray for five minutes, six minutes, eight minutes, ten minutes. It gives me an opportunity to pray in the morning when, again, I'm distracted. It gives me an opportunity to pray in the evening. When I don't want to pray, my mind's on the, it gives me an opportunity to pray in the middle of the night when I'm tired. I don't know what to do. It gives me an opportunity to pray all times, all days, in a balanced, consistent way. And I'm telling you, you want to grow, you want to be better, only way to do it 
is to be in the presence of God more. And just as we trust, we trust that if I hit that gym every day, if I hit the gym five days a week, we trust that over the course, maybe not in a day, maybe not in, in, in a week, well, I trust if I hit the gym five days a week over the course of the year, I'll be better. I trust that if I water the garden every single day for a long, consistent, I trust it'll be better. I trust that if I brush my teeth, my teeth will be better. I trust that if I study, my study will be better. My, 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 my grades will be better. I trust that when I'm in God's presence in prayer, I'll be a better person. I'll leave you with this thought. We overestimate what prayer will do in the short term. But we underestimate what prayer will do in the long term. I try to say that as eloquently as I could. That's as best as I could get. What I'm trying to say is this. We overestimate what a day of prayer, what five minutes of prayer. We think like, okay, Father Anthony, what are you talking about? I prayed that day for like an hour. Nothing happened. Okay. We overestimate what one, one set of prayer, like one time in prayer. Just like we think if I go to the gym for two hours, three hours, four hours, that's great. We overestimate what that will do. That will actually not do anything for you. But the one who's going to have long term, what we underestimate is the consistent. Every day in that gym for five minutes. Maybe not five minutes, but <clears throat> every day, every day in that gym for 30 minutes. Every day, take a walk for 30 minutes. Every day, eat a little bit better than the day before. Every day, practice on the guitar. Every day, put in a little time studying. Every day, water the garden. Those are the ones who have success, and the same is true spiritually. We overestimate. And so often, we say, I need a prayer for this, and I'm going to pray all day, and nothing happens. And what prayer do? And that's why I always tell the person, no, no, no. Don't just pray all day for one day. Just pray five minutes one day. But then pray five minutes the next day. Pray five minutes the next day. And I guarantee you, someone who worked out for a year will see the difference. Someone who prays for five minutes a day. I guarantee you, someone who prays five minutes a day consistently over the course of the long term, a year, I guarantee you will see results in that person's life. Because the bottom line, <clears throat> just because we can't see it doesn't mean it's not making an impact. Bottom line, success in any area, growth in any area, requires consistency, and consistency comes only from discipline. That's our first discipline that we're taking for this summer. Next week, we're going to talk about our second spiritual discipline, but make sure we're going to build. Okay, each one kind of builds on the other one. So this is the baseline. We're going to start with this. You're going to grab one from the back. If you don't have one, you can use it on your phone. There's apps, but I'm going to encourage you to go book if you can. Okay, and I promise you, be consistent here. And continue with us throughout this series, and you'll see difference in your spiritual life. Let's stand up for a prayer. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, one God, amen. Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you that you've called us to, to be great and to do great things in this world. But Lord, we can't do it on our own. Lord, we need the spiritual muscle. And, and, and Lord, you've given us a path right here through structured prayer, so... We're praying, Lord, that you would help us to be consistent, to be disciplined. It sounds so easy, Lord, but, but you know and we know that, that life hits us hard and life is distracting and life is busy. So we're praying that you would help us, Lord, to make the time and commit to it so that we can grow our spiritual muscle and be strong in the Lord. We pray these things in the name of your Son, Jesus Christ, with the prayers and intercessions of all your saints. Hear us as we pray thankfully. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us not to temptation, but deliver us from evil. In Christ Jesus our Lord, for thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Amen.